point, just to rec- a recap on where we got to, in very briefly, um, the story of Joseph, we're on a third episode, uh, first one, total brats in the family, dysfunctional family of Jacob, the second one, total integrity in the workplace, which is what we looked at last week, today, total reliance on God. And then uh, after Remembrance Day, we'll come back to the total testing. This rather strange passage where Joseph taunts and tests his brothers. And then finally, this is where we're getting to, total forgiveness to enable reconciliation. So that's the, that's the outline of where we're going. Um, so today, the question, poor, poor Joseph, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, Joseph is being prepared for higher service. The, the method of uh, preparation has been rather harsh. Sold as a slave, uh, falsely accused, sent to prison, and then finally he becomes the ruler of Egypt. And the method is this, all the props have been stripped away. His father's protection, his favoured position, his multicoloured coat, uh, his special favoured status within the family to become a slave with no rights at all. His hopes have been raised, and then his job security has been taken. He's become a prisoner. Poor, poor Joseph, indeed. What are you going to do? And as I said earlier, what would you do if you were in that situation? Would you give up? Would you moan about it? Uh, Would you tell everybody how hard done by you've been, or, or what would you do? Well, I think it's a very good question. And the first answer is this. Joseph's own responsibility... Joseph has to take some kind of responsibility for his current situation. Now, what can we take responsibility for? Personal integrity. And we saw last week that Joseph had a choice how to behave in his master's house. He had a choice how to behave in prison. And and in both occasions, he acts out of integrity and he becomes a trustworthy person and uh, it takes quite a while to actually build up that trust uh, in somebody. Uh, He's not self-pitying much. Um, In fact, in the prison, we're told uh, in verse 6, he saw that the others were dejected. He was thinking about other people, not just about himself. And I think that's always a good recipe, that when we're feeling a bit down in the dumps, uh, think about somebody else and not just your own problems. And actually, that sometimes is helpful to you as well as up to that other person. Um, many years ago, I, I was in contact with a, a man in prison in, um, in Zambia. Uh, he's called Obed. And uh, I'd managed to send him out a, a Bible uh, in, in the prison there. And um, I used to correspond with him. And uh, what was great here was that he was using the Bible to talk to the other people in the prison. Isn't that great? And as I say, I've been visiting someone this week, and, and also that person is, is in a position where they're helping other people in the prison. And So wherever you are, actually, there are opportunities to deflect it away from your own self-pity and actually to help somebody else. Now, we can't control our circumstances, always, but we can control our attitude. That is one thing that we can change. 
Interestingly, while I was in the waiting room, there was a, a leaflet, and it, and it's, it was a, a leaflet advertising some uh, addiction uh, organisation that would help. And it said, the pessimist um, complains about the wind. The optimist hopes that the wind will change. The realist changes his sails. And that's very true, anyone that knows anything about sailing. You can't change some things, uh, but you can change your attitude and the things that are in your control. So, two ways of looking at Joseph. One is, poor, poor Joseph, what are you going to do? The other one, that's a human way of looking at him. The other way is through God's eyes. Joseph is still not ready for the higher service that God is calling him to. He has more preparation work to do before he's ready. You see, he, he still has some weaknesses, don't we all? He's still not relying totally on God. He, he's trying to earn his way out of prison by working hard and being good. He's hoping that maybe that will set him in good stead. And, uh, and, and none of us know, actually, we, we should all know that we can't always earn our way. And in fact, the heart of the Christian gospel is a gospel of grace, that none of us earns the right to be in the kingdom of God. It is a gift of grace. Uh, we've still got to do our bit, but actually, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in a position where we're trying to earn favour with God and, and with people, and that's not the way of the kingdom. He's trying to manipulate events. Verse 14, uh, remember me when you get out Put a good word in me for, for Pharaoh. I, I don't blame him. I would do exactly the same. But actually, you know, if we're totally relying on God, um, uh, for example, you know, with George Muller, for example, we hear about in George Muller, uh, he, he didn't go out advertising for his needs, they simply prayed. And he totally relied on God to provide his needs. Now, I'm, I'm not sure I've quite got there. Self-protection is a basic human sin. That's what we try to do, isn't it? We, we protect ourselves. Um, Joseph trusted people, but they forgot him. Has that been uh, your experience? You trust someone, but they let you down. Um, he, the cupbearer, must have been incredibly grateful uh, for Joseph's interpretation, especially because it came true. But when he got out, he was so happy to be back out in his job that he forgot all about Joseph. So, you know, you can't rely on people entirely. Uh, we have to rely on God, because sometimes people let us down. And the other thing that was a weakness of Joseph is he still held a grudge against his brothers. Let me read this verse to you, and I'll read it with my emphases and see what you think. <clears throat> verse 15. He said... Um, Show, show, uh, mention me to Pharaoh, get me out of this prison, for I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. If you read it with that kind of voice, you can see he's kind of, he's still holding a bit of a grudge, isn't he? He's a bit like when we used to say to our, our daughter, um, say sorry to your sister. Sorry! <laughs> So, Joseph has a responsibility to, to identify his weaknesses and to trust in God. 
Let's have a look at what God's responsibility in this situation, because this is a marvellous story about Joseph, but it's actually all about God's sovereignty, isn't it? How God took this young man uh, and brought him out to be the saviour of Egypt. That's, that's basically the story. And let's have a look at what happens in this passage. At the end of verse 13, chapter 39, the Lord was with Joseph. Even in the prison, the Lord was with him. If you think you've been abandoned, uh, then let me just remind you, the Lord is with you. If you're going through a tough time, the Lord is with you. And it says, the Lord remembered Joseph. When we think God's forgotten us and everybody else has forgotten us, the Lord remembers. He always remembers. There's only one thing that he forgets. Our sin. I will not hold, I will not remember your sins anymore. I will not hold them against you. But he does remember us. The Lord spoke to Joseph. He gave him encouragement. Originally, that dream that Joseph had in chapter 37 about how he would, uh, all these sheaves would come bowing down to him, that was a dream that God gave to him a long time before this. And God, even in prison, is speaking through Joseph. So the God speaks to us. And we, we're grateful that we have the word of God. Joseph would not have had a Bible with him, partly because it hadn't been written, and, and partly because people didn't have books in those days. So uh, Joseph did not have the written word, but God did speak to him uh, in the prison. The Lord vindicated Joseph eventually. We know the story. We, we know the end. We've read the book, and you come out on top, are the words of uh, Tim Rice. We've read the book, you come out on top. But he didn't know that at the time, but the Lord did eventually vindicate himself. Joseph wanted to vindicate himself, but actually God vindicated him. What else does God do? He determines the outcome. I wonder how many times you've been in a situation where you just can't see how it's going to work out. And whatever you do, it doesn't seem to improve. Actually, the Lord determines the outcome. Now, I guess I'm a bit of a Calvinist at heart, because God is sovereign over, over, uh, over the events of history. And at the end of the day, uh, God is in, in charge of the way that things work out. He determines the outcome. We, we, we uh, in, interfere. We have a free will. Sometimes we, try, uh, we work against God. Sometimes we work with him, but ultimately it is God who determines the outcome. And, and God also determines the timing. We'd like it to be fixed tomorrow, wouldn't we? You know, if our car's broken down, we want it fixed tomorrow, or our heating's gone, or whatever. Um, a common experience of humanity is painful, fruitless waiting. But that's summed up in the Psalms. At the end of Psalm 27, which will be my favourite psalm, it says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. That's part of the, part of the package. Uh, you know, it's not the instant age that we live in now. Um, we have to wait, and the Lord determines the timing. And notice that Joseph, when he interprets the dreams... Uh, he says uh, to, 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 to Pharaoh, he says, uh, the two dreams tell us that God has firmly decided this will happen. God knows that there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. God knows that he has decided and the timing. 
Psalm 31, my times are in your hands. That's a good verse. That's actually on the clock in Kilmington. If you go to the church in Kilmington, that up on the clock, my times are in your hands. A very good uh, verse. Um, okay, what is our problem? God's responsibility. First of all, setting God a timetable. Do you do that? Do you pray to God and then tell him exactly what you want to do and when you should do it? Bargaining with God. God. Lord, if you do this, then I'll do that. Or if I do this, then maybe you... We, we do it, don't we? Um, trying to earn his approval. But he loves you already. You don't have to earn that. Uh, we have a responsibility to do our best, but... Uh, and trying to manipulate God. Trying to uh, alter the outcome. It's, it's just a basic human nature, isn't it? And that's the way we, we try to work. So... That's our problem. What is the solution? Well, I think the solution is that we can learn from Joseph. Because Joseph, in many ways, as we said, parallels Jesus. The story of Joseph has got so many parallels. Let's just have a look. Um, it starts off with a father's favourite son. And Jesus is the, the beloved, the only beloved son of his father. Um, the father's son, uh, the, the, the favourite son in both cases, loses the protection of the father. Jesus came down and left the glory of heaven and lost his father's protection. Uh, he became a slave. Philippians chapter 2. Uh, but they both kept their integrity. Throughout Jesus' life, he always behaved with integrity. Even when uh, such horrible things were done to him, he always acted with integrity. And, and Joseph, too, uh, was a man of integrity. And Philippians tells us, even to death, death on a cross. Joseph felt abandoned. And Jesus on the cross cries out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? But God vindicated Joseph and he becomes the Lord of Egypt. Jesus, of course, is given the name which is Lord, which is above every name. So after all of his suffering, uh, Jesus actually brings uh, victory and vindication. And so Philippians, uh, in chapter 2, that wonderful passage, he became like a man, uh, appeared in human likeness, etc., uh, begins with these words, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. So we could say um, that actually uh, maybe our attitude could be the same as Joseph as well in this story. We should look at Joseph and say what aspects of Joseph reflect the kind of character of Jesus. Mm. Let's learn from him. Let's see what we can learn. Imitate Christ, is, is, is we're told in the, in, in the New Testament, Paul tells us. First of all, Joseph was vulnerable. All of his protection was stripped away. He had no, nothing to defend himself with. He was completely vulnerable. And uh, we also need to be stripped, if you like, naked before God and, and, and just recognise that we are completely vulnerable. We, we, we live with such protection around us, don't we? We live in a land which, by and large, is a, law, a lawful land. We, we, uh, we, we, uh, we have justice... We have uh, provision for people. We, we're protected in many, many ways, but there are so many vulnerable people, even in our society. 
And we need to become vulnerable before God rather than trusting our own ability. We need to acknowledge our total reliance on God. Joseph had no option. And if you read stories of of people like Richard Wurmbrand, who was kept in a Romanian prison for many years and tortured for his faith, they, they could do nothing else but to rely on God. And in fact, I remember one little line from Richard Wormbrand's uh, 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 testimony in his book, where uh, the, the um, interrogators are interrogating him, and, and he said, well, you know, if you kill me, somebody else will come. And they were absolutely shocked. They said, do you mean there's more like you? Yeah? So uh, he, he had to rely totally on God. We need to acknowledge and recognize our own sin. Uh, the baker, uh, well, the cupbearer, sorry, the cupbearer, when he is before Pharaoh, and Pharaohs have the dream, says, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. And I think something we should do also look in the mirror. What are my shortcomings? In what ways do I fall short? Of, the, of, of what God wants for me. Joseph needed to be made fit to stand before the king. You notice in, in the story, which we didn't read uh, the next part actually, but chapter 41 is great, but it's very long. Uh, if, we'd have, if we'd have read it, we would have... Uh, go read, read it at home. But you'll notice that when, when Pharaoh... Uh, finds out about Joseph, he said, let this man come. I want uh, him to come and talk to me. But before he does it, he has, to, uh, he has to wash, he has to shave, he has to put on clean clothes to come before the king. Um, it wouldn't really much good bringing Joseph out of the jail. and he would, It wouldn't be fit, would it? So he has to be cleaned up first. Now, if we think we've got to be cleaned up before we can come before the king, uh, then we've got another think coming, because we can't. We haven't got suitable clothes to wear, have we? Uh, But actually, the king provided them. The king provided Joseph with clothes to wear so he was fit. So we also, when we come before the king, uh, we are given clothes that are suitable. The robes of righteousness which Jesus provides. So we have to be made fit uh, to come before a king. We need to recognise that each one of us is called to a unique task. And that's what I was trying to do in my email, by trying to sort of identify where people worked. And and of course, if you got missed out, I'm really sorry. But uh, I'm happy to add you, and you need to come and tell me what you're actually doing. And I'll I'll go through it it again. You always miss somebody out, don't you? Um, I, I was saying earlier, one of my worst moments in ministry was when I was a student minister. And it was uh, Remembrance Day in my first time I did it. And it was in a village called Helmden in Northamptonshire. And I, I knew that it was going to take place around the War Memorial. So I'd been down with my diary. And I'd been down and I'd written down all the names of the War Memorial very, very carefully. And on that morning, I started to read them out one at a time. And then a voice came from the back row. You've forgotten my granddad. We always forget, don't we? But God knows. So do tell me uh, if you've got areas of work and stuff that you are unique to you that you want us to pray about. That will be, be really good. 
Um, we, we're each called to a unique task, and therefore, we each need a unique preparation. Now, the task that Joseph was being called for was to become the ruler of Egypt. Now, I don't suppose many of us are being called to become the Chancellor of the Exchequer or the Prime Minister. Thank God. Gosh, if anyone fancies being called to either of those tasks, uh, um, you know, God bless you. Uh, and, uh, and God speed and God strengthen you. Um, but, you know, we are called to a particular task, whatever your particular role may be. Uh, and I, I actually went to, to visit to visit Doris on uh, on, on my way because I was going to Dartmoor, so I just diverted out because Doris is in a home in, in um, uh, Otterton in Devon for a month respite, uh, which is a real long way to go. But I, it's not far out, out of the route, so I went to see her. And you know, she's there. She's ministering to those people. She's 96. And she's ministering to those people in that home. She was telling me that there's one lady who just didn't want to live anymore and she was telling her how valuable she was. Isn't that wonderful? You know, we've all got a unique role to play uh, and the preparation for that is unique. So for, for Joseph to become the ruler of Egypt, he, he's had to go through this whole rejection thing with his family. He's had to go through the suffering of being a slave um, he's had to go through all the mental turmoil of, of being falsely accused and now he's been thrown into a prison he's, he's had to deal with the abandonment and the rejection that he's faced and finally he's ready to serve Pharaoh he's not yet ready to meet his brothers uh -huh, there's another few chapters to go there and that's, that's the next bit but God has prepared him to this point for a unique task um, now I admire people who can do sculpture uh, and um, people who can take uh, a block of something and make something out of it that looks like something. Is that what sculpture is, Sebastian? Well, maybe, maybe there are other definitions of sculpture. But let, let's take traditional kind of sculpture. You know, people take a block of stone and then they carve it away and they make a horse or, or a person or I think that's absolutely incredible and there was a guy once doing this and um, he was a, a very good sculptor and he got a big block of marble and he was carving a horse out of it and this fantastic horse was appearing uh, out of this block of stone and, and somebody said to him that's amazing how on earth do you carve a horse out of a block of stone and he said it's easy all you do is you chip away everything that's not horse it's true, isn't it? So what's left is just that block of stone, but he's taken all the bits that aren't necessary to be a horse. Uh, I'm sure it's a bit more difficult than that. Um, but that's what God is doing with us. If he's to prepare us to serve him in a unique way, he will need to gradually chip away the bits of our lives that are not helpful for that task. To leave the bits that are ready and prepared for the task that he's called us to do. And it's very good. I, I, I can always think back in my life and I feel that wherever I've been, it's kind of been the right for that time. And the, the, the preparation that I've been through, even some really, really tough things. Uh, in one of my churches, a, a really tough two years, which I wouldn't wish to repeat and I wouldn't wish on anyone, uh, actually prepared me for what was happening next. 
And that's exactly what's happening to Joseph here. Um, are you in a hurry for that to happen? Are you? You just want God to get on with the preparation so I'm ready. Let me just remind you that from the beginning of this story until this point has been 13 years. From the time that he was sold as a slave to the time that he's standing before Pharaoh, 13 years. And I'll leave you with um, a quote from somebody who I can't remember who it is, but it's not me. The veil of tears has proved to be the valley of soul-making. The veil of tears has proved to be the valley of soul-making. Just think about that.